So my question tonight, it's more of a, I guess you could say it's a character study on Mitch. Um, <laughs> Tabitha, I know you were wanting to do that last week, but um, so here we are. So um, at my new job, I had a fairly challenging day. And so I decided to do some retail therapy. Um, what, what did I buy for my retail therapy? Um, Tabitha, let's start with you this week. Well, if it was October, I would have said you went to the store and drowned your woes in buying pumpkin spice flavored items, but it's not the season for that. I feel like comics is too obvious. I felt like you bought home decor because that's soothing. Home decor. Okay. Okay. Lydia. See, I think you bought this thing that I keep seeing and I don't know if it's actually real or not, but I think if it is, you would have bought it. It's a giant bean bag that is actually just full of wine and it has a straw so you can sit in your bean bag and, you know, just drink gallons and gallons of wine until you apparently are sitting on the floor. Okay. Uh, yeah also don't know (laughs) if that's real but i need to find out um matt um i'm gonna say a variation on comics based on your recent trip to fort wayne uh that you went and splurged on some more manga so you guys are all kind of right um matt you should have just stuck with comic books because yesterday was new comic book day. So obviously I got my pull list. Um, and in addition, like I bought like some other comics. I was like, you know what? F it. Um, Lydia, I didn't buy a beanbag full of wine. I did buy a bottle of wine though. Tabitha, I guess you can say I got some home decor. Like home decor for me means action figures that I can place strategically throughout the house. So (laughs) you guys, you guys know me pretty well. (laughs) You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. All right, so we have so much to talk about today, so we are going to get right into the pull list. Uh, The first book that we're going to talk about is We Ride Titans number two. Uh, Still not easy to say, I will say that. It is out now from Vault, written by Tristine with art by Sebastian Paris. Uh, So Kit Hobbs is joining the family kaiju fighting business. The hardest part is being under the command of her estranged father. Um, So I honestly, I just finished this book like right before we started. I want to wait until more of this series is out before I officially say this, but like even just with these first two issues, this has been such a fun title from Vault. Um, dare I say it's it's been one of my favorite Vault titles that we've read. Um, it's just, there's something about all the different aspects of this book. You know, you obviously you've got 
robots, you've got big giant monsters, but also there's this family drama and like seeing this book, like seeing Kit's father kind of like, you know, like argue with Kit during her training, but it's like, he's doing this for, and maybe it's, you know, different motives, but like a lot of it is just because, you know, he's, he's been there, he knows what's going on and she's kind of in this whole, you know, like, I know what I'm doing phase. Um, but yeah, this is just, this is a really good book. I cannot wait to get more. Uh, Lydia, what'd you think? I agree with you. It's definitely one of the more favorite ones of mine that we've read from Vault so far. Um, say the artwork is super clean and I love it. Um, also just the way that the personalities come through in every character of this series so far is really nice. I feel like a lot of like comics and things like that tend to kind of just blur every character together at some point. And so far, like they all have very individual personalities and I, I can't wait to see more of that going forward. Tabitha, what about you? This is like a mashup of Transformers and Pacific Rim. And then this issue made me feel like we threw in Battlestar Galactica. Like it just, it feels like this like mesh of all of these creative properties, but done in kind of like a new way. So while the story and the plot feel really familiar, like the characters feel new. So I'm really interested to see where this goes. Right now, I mean, if I stopped reading it, I wouldn't be super upset, but I I am intrigued to see where at least Kit's story goes and what these new creatures are that have landed. Matt? Yeah, it definitely kind of feels like <clears throat> we're seeing almost like a subsection or like a different aspect of some of those other properties. Um, like a, like other characters that you wouldn't necessarily run across in Pacific Rim. It's like another group. Um, but I, I think the family drama is what keeps this new and interesting. And like all of the characters have their own motives, which you're starting to see. Uh, and kind of like Lydia said, like the characters have their own voice, which isn't always the case when with things like this. Um, a lot of them, a lot of the characters tend to sound similar. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I also love this. I think my favorite panel from the entire first two issues is when her dad, the kid's dad is talking to her and he like spouts this line that his, that his dad said, and they both kind of like look at each other and then they both roll their eyes in opposite directions. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's see where this is going. But like, I need more of that, like that to develop. I need to see more of that. Uh, for the next two books, we did a little divide and conquer type of situation. Um, so the next one is uh, Radio Apocalypse number two. It's also out now from Vault. Uh, written by Ram V with art by Anad R.K. So as refugees from Kins Creek seek refuge in Bakerstown, the day tripper must carry on, uh, carry their missions while daylight still lingers. Uh, so no real big spoilers, Matt and Lydia, because uh, I did pick this up yesterday. I've not read it yet, but I'm very excited to. Uh, Matt, let's start with you. Um, so the first issue was it, it was more of the same as far as like apocalypse stories go except with the addition of these like the dogs that are like some sort of weird diseased hybrid um and the radio stations like those were the two unique things 
that are part of this. Um, the beginning of this issue, there's a note from Ram V that basically says that if you catch a line from a song or a feeling of a tune, like inside the story, he's like, that was meant to be there. Um, the whole thing is basically just this, this gigantic soundtrack. Um, and I love that. I think that's great because I know that there are a lot of writers that do. They write with music in the background or going on. And that obviously has then influenced him and this story as he goes forward. Um, the one thing I really, really enjoyed about this particular issue is that we do get some legit world building that doesn't feel like an info dump. Um, like you mentioned the day trippers. There's the day trippers. There's reapers. There's the different uh, like uh, communities where these people live, and you get more information about what each of those things do and how they relate. And it doesn't feel like you're just being told, "Oh, by the way, this does this. This person does this. This person does that." Like it was, it was an organic part of the story, which sometimes in these post-apocalyptic stories they do just kind of info dump you with that. Like, just so you know, this is what's going on. And I really appreciated that. Um, this does have a bit of a twist as we get through the issue. Um, and uh, maybe not everybody's safe. So we'll see what happens as we go further into this. Uh, I love the idea of, you know, like if it's, if you hear a quote in the, you know, a quote of a song or whatever, like it, that was meant to be like, that made me want to be like pause record and be like BR back BRB in like 15 minutes, guys. Um, <laughs> Lydia, what'd you think? Uh, I sure read both issues of this uh, back to back tonight, right before we started. Um, I kind of like the story overall they have going. It's um, it, you've got your typical like apocalypse tropes going on, but there's enough different that I'm intrigued by the story. The artwork in this is losing me it's too muddled, it's too crazy for me to keep my attention long enough. The things that did keep my attention was like Matt said, those little hints of songs throughout that every now and then just kind of jump out at you. And I like the idea that unlike most apocalyptic worlds, you have music stations still, you have that one thing that you can cling on to for hope and that that's basically the premise of this whole thing. So that is intriguing to me, but I'm not sure if artwork wise, I want to keep reading this just because I couldn't keep my attention where it needed to be. So the other book that we're going to talk about tonight, it's an original graphic novel uh, by Oni Press. It's called Chef's Kiss. It's out March 2nd, uh, written by Jarrett Melendez with art by Danica uh, Brine. So Ben Cook has graduated college with a degree in English. Uh, not able to find a job because of a lack of experience, he winds up in the kitchen of a local restaurant. Adding to his budding culinary skills, he develops a crush on fellow chef Liam, which starts to complicate his life plan. Um, Tabitha, let's start with you. I love this. This brings me slice of life, joy, and happiness. And if my mouth hadn't been full of dinner when Watson rolled onto the scene, I would have squealed like a pig because I was just literally chef's kiss. So cute. Loved it. I was like, oh man, who's this taste tester? And then it was a pig in the backyard. <laughs> Perfect. And I'm like, 
the little scenes with Watson, like kind of like bend reality a little bit. And I just think that's such a cute addition. I love all the characters. I'm living for the diversity. I love the scenes where they're cooking and the detail and the art is like just enough to where you're like, you can tell what they're doing, but it's not overly explainy about the cooking that they're doing, but like also it's making me want pear tarts. Like I want a pear tart. You know how many times I've had a pear tart? Zero, but you know what I want right now? A pear tart. But <laughs> I don't have the patience to make myself one. So it's just, this is great. I have like, 15-ish pages left and I'm absolutely finishing afterward I'm recording like so far this is gonna if this ends well this is gonna be my first five-star graphic novel read of the year nice mm -hmm. um yeah so I have about 30 pages left and like I told you guys before we started uh chef's kiss is 100% the reason why I will not get tonight's episode edited tonight again <laughs> sorry Matt's mom um <laughs> So, yeah, like, so we all know how last week I was saying that Enter the Blue was the best, you know, thing that we've read, you know, in a long time. Uh, it had a good run. Chef's Kiss. This has been such a fun book and I feel attacked. Um, granted, not in necessarily the same order as Ben, but, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like graduating with, you know, he had a degree in English. I have a degree in communications. Okay. I see you. Um, not being able to find a job because of a lack of experience. Huh? Okay. I definitely know that. Uh, ending up working at a restaurant. Okay. Um, Garrett Melendez, are you following me right now? Uh, also like the steps that Ben has to take to get fully hired on. I'm like, am I watching top chef? Because it feels like I'm watching top chef. And again, that's one of my favorite reality shows, even if it's something I haven't watched in a couple seasons. So again, like, I, I don't know if there are cameras set up somewhere, but like, <laughs> I almost feel, Oh, Oh yeah. And, and the puns and the dad jokes, like this book was literally made for me and I am 100% here for it. Uh, I love all the characters. The, you know, it's, it's a fun story. Uh, we get a Watson origin story in the middle of this book, not a huge spoiler, but like, Oh my gosh. Like when, when they started that, I legitimately screamed, Watson origin story, that pig. I, I, I've never really wanted a pet pig until now, but now I want a pet pig. Um, <laughs> This book, it's it's cute, it's fun, it's you know, it's it's a light read. Um, yeah, just yeah, I cannot say enough good things about it. And the second that we're done recording, I'm finishing this. I think I know where it's going. And if I'm right, I'm like, is it predictable? Yes. Am I okay with it? Absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and get into gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And the first thing we're going to talk about is actually it's kind of breaking-ish news. This came out today, and um, I posted it on our Facebook page if you were following that. And if you're not, then why aren't you? Uh, so Chip Zdarsky announced that he will be taking over Batman, starting with issue 125. Uh, joining him will be Jorge Jimenez, uh, who previously worked on Batman with James Tinney in the fourth. Uh, the new team will put out a darker and grittier Batman and we'll also introduce a brand new villain. 1,000% uh, thumbs up. Um, also, 
darker and grittier Batman. I mean, that's literally his MO, but okay, I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> I've always loved Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky has proven that he can do serious with Daredevil. So seeing this more now, I'm like, I can't wait. Lydia. Um, I don't have a frame of reference here. Hold on, let me consult my expert. Is this a good thing? Yeah. Okay, thumbs up then. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Um, this sounds awesome. Like, I know that Daredevil just relaunched with Chip Zdarsky still writing. So it will be interesting to see both of these run side by side. Um, I, I, I've wanted to get back into Daredevil. I've wanted to get back into Batman. Um, the, the last run of Batman that I read that they introduced a new villain, um, people were a little wary about but it turned out to be one of my favorite bat villains um so if he's gonna do something like this just to keep things fresh and moving forward go for it i would love to see what he comes up with um so yeah huge thumbs up i think this is a good thing for for both batman and for chip yeah i agree thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) it's not just me (laughs) So we talked last week very, very briefly about uh, Star Trek IV. Uh, Now, Star Trek fans weren't the only ones that were caught off guard by this news. Um, The Kelvin Timeline Enterprise crew was also very surprised by this uh, because sources for The Hollywood Reporter said that, quote, most, if not all, uh, teams for the franchise's primary players were not aware that an an announcement for another film was coming. Uh, reps were also not aware that, quote, their clients would be shooting a movie by year's end. Uh, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I would love another Star Trek movie. Um, however, I'm really, really worried that Paramount or the powers that be or whatever may have said things a little too early because now it sounds like we are just in the very, very early stages of this. So that's, I mean, things can go wrong real quickly. Lydia. How, how are you going to make a decision like that and not tell your most important people, hey, we're doing this thing. <laughs> um, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. So thumbs sideways. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, it just, it just seemed weird that they would go ahead and make this announcement and not consult i don't know literally the crew um (laughs) also the fact that they didn't tell them makes me worried about the idea that they're going to shoot start shooting this by the end of the year do you have a script do you have a director because usually if you make that kind of announcement that the cast is coming back like you have a director in place you have some other staff you have a script basically already kind of done. Now it doesn't sound like they really have anything. So that's concerning. So I am also going to go thumb sideways. Uh, for what it's worth, if I'm not mistaken, J.J. Abrams made the announcement. So he's at oh, least that's... producing, if not directing, which I know he's directed, what, I think the first two of these new Star Trek movies. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't direct... Uh, beyond I know I remember that but anyway uh, Tabitha um, this kind of feels like someone let Tom Holland work at Star Trek instead of Marvel <laughs> like, 
And now they're like, ah, oh, shit. So I'm also going to go thumb sideways because it makes me a little suspicious. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about the Lynn manuel Miranda News Desk. Let's talk about the Lynn manuel Miranda News Desk. So the 28th annual SAG Awards are airing on Sunday, the 28th at 7 p.m. Central Time. Set your, set your watches. Um, on TNT and TBS. Um, so the SAG Awards traditionally do not have a host like the Emmys or the Oscars or the Tonys. They just typically have like an opening act. And sometimes those people are kind of like scattered throughout the airing of the award show. So this year, last year, no, not last year, 2020, the hosts were Eugene and Dan Levy, host announcers, intro people, whatever you want to call them. So this year it's going to be Lin-Manuel Miranda, David Diggs, and Leslie Odom Jr. So again, like I said, because they don't typically do a host situation, this is more of an intro to the SAG Awards. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I think that this was probably something that they meant to do last year, but due to COVID, we did not end up with the SAG Awards last year, at least not an aired SAG Awards. Um, <clears throat> so while this doesn't feel as timely as it would have had it happened last year when Hamilton was a little bit more in the you know public frame of mind, I'm still giving it a thumbs up. Yeah, same. Not super timely, but I'm here for it. Thumbs up. Lydia? I mean, I've never watched the SAG Awards, and I'm probably not going to start now, but sounds like it would be fun, so thumbs up. <laughs> Matt? To be fair, I know that it isn't timely, but at the same point, these three spent so much time together on stage working together. And while they may have seen each other, they may have done things together since their run on stage. I almost feel like this would be kind of a reunion um, for the SAG Awards, which could be a lot of fun and fairly lighthearted as they make inside jokes and poke fun at each other as this happens. So I think it could be, it could be interesting. It could also bring the spotlight back to Hamilton kind of intentionally, but, uh, you know, uh, I think that may be a side effect. So thumbs up. Uh, Matt, let's go to Minecraft. Uh, so in October, Minecraft or the company that runs Minecraft, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, revealed a new update coming called The Wild. Um, it's now available on test servers, but they are touting it as being a essentially scary and dark update for Minecraft, which Minecraft is not very scary. It's not very dark, um, but it adds some darker features, more ominous creatures, um, and also an effect in the game called darkness, which make things very eerie if you become afflicted by it. Um, I've played a little bit of Minecraft. Um, the idea of kind of like a little bit darker version could be kind of cool. So um, I don't know. I'm going to give this a thumbs up. It still has to go live, but uh, it seems to be getting well uh, received on the test servers. Tim. Minecraft freaks me out and gives me a headache. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways. Uh, granted, I've never played Minecraft, uh, but like, I don't know when I, when I think of Minecraft, I don't think of dark and scary. Uh, so while this might be fun for some players, like it's going to be kind of like, was this change really necessary? Lydia. 
I mean, I'm not good at Minecraft. I'm usually just <laughs> making like a little hole in the ground and turning it into a library, but you know, whatever. Uh, but the idea of having more creepy stuff in it sounds fun. Although it makes me really sad that my computer decided to crap out on me again. So th- thumbs up for the idea. Thumbs down for the fact that I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. Uh, we have a trio of biography stories. Um, the first one So Daniel Radcliffe shared the first look of him as Weird Al in Weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, which will be exclusively available on the Roku channel. Uh, The photo shows Radcliffe playing an accordion and sporting Weird Al's signature hairstyle, glasses, and Hawaiian shirt. I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I want from this. Like, part of me wants, like, a super serious, you know, like, biopic on the other hand, I kind of want something similar to Rocket Man, where it was, yes, it was a biopic, but at the same time, like, it was, like, there was a lot of fantasy involved with it. But I kind of want that times 10. Like, I don't know. But either way, um, Danny Radcliffe as Weird Al, I'm, I'm here for this. Thumbs up. Um, except for the fact that I'm going to have to get the Roku channel, which, whatever. It's fine. Lydia. I mean, I already have a Roku, so I have a Roku channel. So, I mean, that doesn't really affect me. Uh, no, I think either way they play this, it'll be interesting. And Dan Radcliffe is probably a pretty good uh, choice to play this because he can definitely pull off both serious and really freaking weird. So, thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Um, so, I saw the first picture of this, and I am just really kind of amazed how much he looks like a younger Weird Al. Um, So that's crazy. Um, I loved Weird Al's response to this whole thing happening. He said that, um, you know, he he released UHF um, 33 years ago with the plan to release a movie every 33 years about himself. And he's spot on to have to make that happen again. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a wonderful response to how this is going. Um, Roku channel seems really odd choice for this, but you could say it's a weird choice. Like I got to go. (laughs) I'm sorry. Continue on. (laughs) Um, But I'm gonna go thumbs up. It's tentative because I feel like this could go badly, but at the same time. I don't know. I'm still here for it. Tabitha. I just want a Weird Al movie where Weird Al plays himself at the age he is now at all ages in his life. <laughs> <laughs> just like baby Weird Al is just Weird Al's head like on a baby body. And like toddler Weird Al is just Weird Al but like miniaturized. Like that's what I want. Like I don't want somebody playing Weird Al. Especially like I know Daniel Radcliffe has better acting chops than we give him credit for, but like this feels very niche and I don't think I'm its intended audience. (laughs) So thumbs sideways. Um, I would also be here for the Weird Al movie that you just pitched, Tabitha. So (laughs) I'm, yeah. You're welcome, Roku. (laughs) Um, All right. Um, Hit me, Tabitha, one more time. Oh my god. So what's really funny is that my titling for this story is It's Brittany, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's terrifying. So, <laughs> um, Bernie Spears is writing a book. Um, it's going to be a tell-all memoir thanks to a $15 million book deal with Simon & Schuster. Um, it's among the biggest of all time, comparable to the contracts that were signed by the Obamas for their memoirs. We don't have a release date, but as we know, Brittany has plenty to tell us. I'm expecting drama with her conservatorship. I'm expecting drama with her crazy family and her crazy sister and her crazy life. And if you follow Brittany on the social medias, she is an intriguing human when she writes anything. So God help us and that there's a ghostwriter in there somewhere, because oh. <laughs> if not, this is going to be like, Oh, you're gonna need a little orphan Annie decoder ring to figure out what she's trying to say to you. Stream of conscious. It's a stream of conscious from someone who was raised in Louisiana and then subjected to way too much mental health care through her 20s. So it's like very concise, but also very scattered. Scattered. Like it's the it's two things at the same time, and it's very bizarre. I follow someone on TikTok who actually translates Britney Spears Instagram posts like she translates them into like normal people speak and not Britney Spears speak so I'm kind of wondering if maybe she can write the memoir um I'm giving this a thumbs up get your money Brittany get your life do you um yeah I'm giving this a thumbs up honestly I am not personally interested in reading it uh but you know I I am here for Brittany you know reclaiming what is hers or you know what Evsky's. uh Lydia yeah, I mean, good for her for finally having a voice, but I'm I'm not going to read this, so I'll just rely on Tabitha to tell me what the book says, and I will we'll, I will know all of the drama, and it'll be great, and I won't have I to will give it, you guys so. a book review as soon as I finish it. Perfect. So, thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Um, so, I'm not going to lie. I didn't have a horse in this race until probably, what, a year ago, when I was... I'll admit it. I was subjected to a documentary about the conservatorship that she's stuck in. And now I'm intrigued. Um, I'm also intrigued on now this $15 million deal, how she's going to see any of this money based on said conservatorship. It's over. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well. They anyway. rolled in Britney's favor. Where have you been? Uh, not paying attention to Britney Spears, obviously. <laughs> um, sorry, other things are happening. Um I don't know. Like this could be really interesting. They're definitely going to need a lot of editing. A lot of like this could be a 2024 book just because of the amount of editing. Um, Maybe part of the money that's going towards this is to pay the editor. It bet, fourteen million of it. <laughs> sweet Jesus, that better be the best editor in the entire world. You need an editor slash translator. Um, but I don't know. It's this could be interesting. And I mean, good for her for finally getting to tell her story, like legitimately. So thumbs up for that. Um, Matt wasn't paying attention to Brittany because he's always been team Christina. No. <laughs> I, I, I think I care about her even less than I care about Brittany. Which is... <laughs> well, <laughs> Matt, I can even, I can't, I don't even know what that is on a scale of one to 10. Like <laughs> one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how do you feel about Elliot Page? Um, Elliot Page is fantastic. Um, so, releasing in 2023 from Flatiron Books, Elliot Page is writing a memoir titled Page Boy. Um, 
It is going to delve into the relationship with his body. It's going to cover mental health issues, assault, love, sex, and even the cesspool that Hollywood can be. Um, this Elliot Page is fantastic. I love that he has become the most prevalent and most popular trans person basically ever. Um, and to be able to get his story, I, I think is going to be great. Um, especially going back all the way from entry into Hollywood and everything up through like today with umbrella Academy and et cetera. Um, I huge thumbs up for this. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm ready to have this on bookshelves so that I can read this. Tabitha. Um, <coughs> giant thumbs up for this. Like, these are the memoirs that we need in this day and age. Um, educational and factual and helpful. Thumbs up. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I do feel like Elliot Page is going to be the type of person who's going to write like a 700 page memoir. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm here for that, but, um, but I would read the, or I guess I would listen to the audiobook. So uh, Lydia. Yes. I, I'm not going to read it, but yeah, again, like good for him for like being able to put out his opinions. And I'm sure that he's actually going to be much better, like making it cohesive and understandable. experience <laughs> is going to be so thumb, thumbs up. So Close to a decade ago, Amazon purchased digital comics dealer Comixology. Uh, Now, Amazon has merged Comixology into its own website and has started to rebrand everything Comixology as Kindle Comics. Um, Initial reports also cited the inability to zoom in on panels, which would make some books impossible to read. Uh, People are not happy about these changes. Uh, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I actually, I tested out both my Kindle app. I read a comic on there. I didn't actually read it. I just opened up the first page and kind of played around. Um, I did that. And then I also opened up my Comixology app and did the same thing. Um, that whole Zooming thing, that is not an issue anymore. It's just fine. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, do I like the new look of the Comixology app? I, I liked the old one better. I don't hate this one. Um, I don't necessarily, you know like the idea that I'm giving Amazon more of my money, but A, I give Amazon all of my money already, and B, I've been doing it for the eight years that Amazon has owned Comixology. They're just making it more official now. Um, So I'll give it a thumb sideways. Lydia? I didn't even know this was a thing, but as long as they fix, like, whatever glitch or... uh, error they have with the zooming thing so you can actually read what you're trying to read then okay but overall i don't really care i guess so thumb sideways matt um i'm giving myself a thumbs down for not realizing that comicsology has been owned by amazon for the last eight years um (laughs) i don't know how i missed that that was a thing um i don't know like I understand why they're doing it to rebrand it, but at the same time, there are some instances where you could just pretend and like give the general public a false sense of security 
and leave us in the dark that like comiXology were not feeding Amazon even more money. Um, So I don't know if they update it, they make, they tweak it, make things work a little bit better. Thumbs up. But I'd just be rather left in the dark on that. So thumbs sideways. (laughs) Tabitha. I feel like in the end, everything's going to be owned by Amazon anyway. We're just working our way towards the inevitable. Um, I have always wondered how people with like Kindle Paperwhites read comics Mm. because you can't zoom on those. Like they're just, they're, they're ink based. Like you can't zoom, you can't do anything. And if you do it on your phone or your tablet or something, it's a little, obviously a little different, but now all I keep thinking about is not being able to zoom in on my nook and I want to make sure that I can't. So I'm going to go get the closet, <laughs> do a little science, but I'm going to give this a thumb sideways because at the end of the day, it doesn't really seem like they did anything except change the name in the app, but it's the same stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so who's going to be the bigger monopoly when like all is said and done? Amazon or Disney? Amazon. Because if you guys don't think a Jeff Bezos theme park is coming in our lifetime, you're wrong. I don't want it. Nobody <laughs> wants to ride that rocket. Ew! Ew. <laughs> I was just thinking instead of like, you know, getting hats with like Mickey Mouse ears, they just sell bald caps. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tabitha, uh, are we, are we going to a new musical? Uh, hell yeah, we are. Yes. (laughs) So Dungeons and Dragons musical is coming called Here There Be Dragons. Um, performances will begin June 16th and run through July 17th at the Off-Broadway Players Theater. Um, I'm just going to read the description straight from the thing. The night before their college graduation, a tight-knit group of D&D players embark on their final quest. This must contest with their anxieties, fears, and obstacles manifested as fantasy monsters to discover what their futures may hold. This musical quest will take audiences on a journey through the trepidation and excitement of growing up, holding on to what's dear, and moving (coughs) forward in life without our swords. Cast and creative team have yet to be announced, but it is coming shortly. I was kind of like, what? Why? Until I read that description. And now I'm like, oh my God, I want it. Like huge thumbs up to the idea. I'm going to be bummed if I can't see this eventually at some point, even if it's just like a YouTube recording of it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I initially was going to say like, I don't know if I want this, but as you read more and more of the description, I was like, yes, I do want this. Yes, I do need this. Uh, This sounds amazing. Um, Thumbs up. Lydia. So we're, we're going to all get tickets and we're going to take a Geek Awakens uh, field trip, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I also, upon hearing that this was going to be a thing, was not sure that I wanted this, but hearing that, I, I want to go see this now. Thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. You know, I'm a little hesitant about the whole expanding of the D&D universe, but this, I mean, I'm not front row because you won't be able to see anything, but I'm in the theater for this. Like this hundred percent love this idea, love the story, love the idea behind it. I think this is going to be great. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready. I need, I need to find pre-order tickets. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, so after we do this geek awakens field trip to the dungeons and dragons musical, uh, can we go to a clue themed escape room afterwards? 
Absolutely. Uh, we can. Um, coming fall of 2022, a new Clue game is going to be coming out. It is Clue Treachery at Tudor Mansion Escape and Solve Mystery Game. So it's kind of a new twist on Clue. Um, slightly new genre, if you will. Um, it's a new environment. You can have familiar characters and components to the story. Um, it can be played with one to six players, ages 10 and up. The fun part about this is that the players build a dynamic game board as you play, and you escape the Tudor Mansion. That's basically the, the game. You, um, you, you build the, the board game, you build the house as you escape. And after escaping, the players review the clues and make an accusation. So instead of being competitive, this is a collaborative version of Clue. I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to find any pricing information, but this sounds inventive and intriguing, like a new way to play a classic game. So I'm here for it. Um, this sounds fun. Thumbs up. Tabitha. You had me until you told me it was collaborative. And if I'm <laughs> going to play a board game, I want to win. I don't want <laughs> to play groupsies. Like, I, <laughs> I want to win. Um, <clears throat> I do love Clue. And I love the spin that they're playing on it. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Yeah, um, I think this sounds awesome. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. And don't get me wrong. I would love to p play with all of you guys. But like the idea that you can buy a board game and play it by yourself, like, again, like it's not like I'm looking to just, you know, play a board game by myself. But like, I like that idea. I like the idea of like, you know, oh, hey, I could, you know, play on my phone for the next three hours or... I can try to escape. <laughs> Thumbs up. Lydia. The like tw twisted take on this sounds really cool. I also like, like you said, that you can play it just by yourself, but it all, at the same time, it also makes like little Lydia kind of like sad and happy at the same time. Cause it's like, Oh, all those times that I could, couldn't play a board game when I wanted to because I had no one that would play with me and I could just play one by myself, but then I'm still playing a board game by myself. So that's lonely. Um, <laughs> but no, it sounds cool. It's an interesting take on it rather than playing head to head, like actually helping each other out. So thumbs up. Uh, speaking of games, Funko Games will be releasing the Parks and Recreation Party game this spring. Uh, players choose projects to work on make deals and recruit help from other players game ends when little Sebastian stops eating and the player with the best waffles wins. Uh, this game is for three to six players. It'll take about 30 minutes to play. And the MSRP is 1999 uh, thumbs all the way up. Uh, this sounds like a fun game. It's not going to take seven hours to play. And the price point is fantastic. Lydia. So I'm going to break everyone's heart again. I've not seen Parks and Rec, but I'm going to give it a thumbs up just based off of Tabitha's reaction because that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have fun. I'll be over here. <laughs> uh, we will force you to binge watch Parks and Rec 
and then and then you'll play the game. Uh, Matt. So I've only seen a few episodes of Parks and Rec, um, but I don't know. Everybody else's reactions is <laughs> positive and excited for this, so I will give thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, we are going to have to trick the two of them. Uh, we'll say that we're going somewhere, but that somewhere is actually a cabin in the woods where we'll tie them up and force them to watch all of Parks and Rec. Like, I'm talking like Clockwork Orange style, like, you know, like keep their eyes open. Yeah. Like This feels oh like the retreat where they take everybody to that cabin in the woods. And I don't know if you're Ron or I'm Ron or, <laughs> Leslie, or I'm Leslie. <laughs> Let's be honest, you are totally a Ron and I am totally a Leslie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you are definitely more of a Leslie than I am. Like I wake up some days wish, wishing I was Leslie to open, and I'm like, I made the love gate. I don't know who I'm trying to fool. Um, this is amazing. The price point is great. I hate spending 300 hours playing one game. I'm getting this, and if only you and I play it for six days in a row, bitch, that's all I need. Uh Speaking of six, Matt, let's talk about Street Fighter Six. Um, so people have been clamoring online for a new Street Fighter game for a while. Um, the latest download content was released for the last one. And pretty much right after that happened, um, Capcom released a little teaser for Street Fighter Six. Not a whole lot of development other than confirmation that it is in development um, and that so far, it appears to be a style shift in both the art and the logo. Um, the logo is a lot more like a UFC logo. Um, Street Fighter has always used the Roman numerals for the numbers in their games, and this one actually goes away from that and uses the act like the like the the, the number six. Um, so there's a lot of guessing and questions online. Um, but uh, I don't know. This, this could be interesting. It could bring some some fresh life to um, the sixth game in a series that has been very long running. So um, I'm going to go thumb sideways until we see more information on this. It has been a very, 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 very long time since I've played any Street Fighter game. Tabitha. Uh, fighter games are the only video games that I'm good at because I figure out the combinations for the button mashing fairly quickly. Um, so a new Street Fighter might be kind of fun. It makes me nervous that they're making the logo look ufc though. Mm -hmm. It makes me think they're making it too modern, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Uh, you're absolutely right, Tabitha. Uh, fighter games are really about the only games that I can kind of play, and not even that I figure out the button mashing. It's like I figure out how to kick and then like, I just kick the opponent until they're dead. Um, so speaking of the logo, um, so fans have been pointing out that the logo uh, looks a lot like an Adobe stock image. So oh. yeah. So you guys at home, like obviously can't see this because, Hey, this is a podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So the one in black, that is the actual logo. And, that, and the pink one, that is the stock image. So that is shocking. Mm. Yeah, about that. So uh, I have to go thumb sideways on this one. Lydia. Yeah, I'm also going thumb sideways. Like the changing of the logo and everything makes me nervous. 
also just as much as I love them, fighter games are fighter games, no matter what number it is in the series, it's just better graphics and better controls. It's the same thing over and over. So the little like changes and stuff make me nervous. So thumbs up. Uh, Matt, we're going to stick with you and talk about the new DeLorean. So if you really want to feel old, like me. Mm. Um, so mm. 40 years ago, mm. the DeLorean was released, the original. Didn't stay in production very long. And right before the Super Bowl, the DeLorean Motor Company tweeted, the future was never promised. Reimagine today. Sign up for the premiere of the DeLorean in 2022. It had a 15-second video clip along with it, which was very shadowy, but included silhouettes of the classic Goldwing doors and hashtags that included electric vehicle and luxury. So apparently DeLorean is coming back to the future. (laughs) There's no way around it. Um, So... I don't know. We're going to get a new DeLorean sometime this year. Um, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot in that, in my heart for that hideous car because of the back to the future movies. Um, So I'm intrigued to see what they've come up with. So thumbs up. I know there's this big press for electric cars right now because of California's new statutes starting in 2025. But I feel like these companies are kind of like coming out of the woodwork to be like, oh, an electric car? I can do that here, California. And we're going to end up with a bunch of lemons for cars floating around the market. And it's going to screw things up for years. And it makes me nervous. And also, this feels like a gimmick. This doesn't feel like a real car that you, like an actual human, would be like, oh, I went to the lot today and integrated in my Toyota for a DeLorean. Like that's not <laughs> something the normal average human is going to say. So I'm going to go thumbs down. Um, it's not something the normal average human would say. Probably something I would say. Um, <laughs> thumbs up to the DeLorean. Thumbs down for Matt making me feel ancient. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I... I love Back to the Future. I love the DeLorean. I feel like Tabitha said this is just a gimmick. Whatever car they come up with is not going to look anything like the one from the movie because they're going to try to modernize it. Not only that, but electric cars are going to become the bane of my existence just because I'm already having to learn about them at work. So (laughs) as much as I would like to give it more, I'm going to go thumbs down. So as part of Coca-Cola's developmental uh, creations program, the soda company has launched Coca-Cola Starlight. The soda, which has a reddish hue, uh, quote, includes additional notes reminiscent of stargazing around a campfire, as well as a cooling sensation that evokes the feeling of a cold journey to space. Whatever the F that means. Um, So... Fun fact, I was at the store earlier today and I found Coca-Cola Starlight. So we are about to have, I haven't tried it yet. We're about to have a very, very live uh, gut reaction. So hopefully you you heard that. Um, It does have a reddish hue. 
I mean, it smells like Coke. Um, guys. Ooh. So, <laughs> the initial taste was like cherry Coke. But then like I kind of got this little pop of almost like a marshmallow. And I don't know if it's because like so before this came out, like I remember reading like somebody speculated that like st- stargazing around a campfire like, oh, it's going to taste like s'mores. So I don't know if my tongue remembered that and was like, hey, this is going to taste like s'mores. Um, yeah. Am I going to buy this again? Probably not. Um, am I going to finish this tonight? Probably. So we'll go thumb sideways. Lydia. I'm just going to ignore all your reaction for a second. Because <laughs> the way you described that, like the way that they put it, like those are not flavors. Those They're are not. scents, if anything. <laughs> they are not flavors. And they should not be in a soda. <laughs> your description of it makes me want to try it less. Like, I don't need a flavored cherry Coke. Thank you, though. <laughs> And that's why Coke will not hire me for their marketing department. <laughs> so is, is that a thumbs down then? Uh, I haven't actually tried it. I'll be nice and go thumb sideways just until I inevitably try it myself, even though I don't necessarily want to. Matt. Um, I'm just going to go thumbs, si- thumbs down because I miss our in-person taste testing. It's been so long since we did those. Oh, yeah. What was the last one we did? Was it those Fruit Loop donuts from that party? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. That's been a while. We need we need to do we need to make that more of a thing. Um, This just sounds like a very strange combination, and I agree with Lydia. Those do not. Those do not. Their descriptions are not flavors. They are sensations or scents. That's that's not how you taste things. So um, thumbs down i think <laughs> as mitch continues to drink it and stare at the bottle off it's <laughs> it's cherry vanilla that's basically what that's basically what i'm looking at it's cherry vanilla coke coke yeah but, but which which i'm okay with that but still it's already a thing though yeah. yeah tabitha mostly i'm upset that you said you don't know if your tongue was remembering something <laughs> <laughs> I can't get that out of my brain. It's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, I don't drink Coke. I can't drink Coke. It makes my insides die. I don't think that's going to be any different whether you add a marshmallow flavor to it or not. So I'm going to go thumbs down. Um, Matt, you have our last story of the night. And why are gamers anti-beard <laughs> uh, not all gamers just one particular gamer um so as we know with the advent of the most recent generation of consoles um the graphic capabilities have just skyrocketed yet again the recent release of um horizon forbidden west has brought to light how detailed some of these character models can be. Um, Aloy is the main character, and one particular male gamer tweeted out, can you explain to me why the hell Aloy has a beard? 
and then like a screenshot zoomed in and then like her like cheek circled basically what what they have realized is that the 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 visuals are so realistic that there are tiny little hairs on the side of her face um and this gamer tweeted this and the rest of twitter as the internet does essentially came to the rescue of humanity and just absolutely buried this individual um some of the responses are truly epic um breaking gamer accidentally proves he has never been within 10 feet of a woman before (laughs) 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 um one of the, another one, somebody tweets, Schrodinger's douchebag, a guy who says offensive things and decides whether he's kidding or not based on people's reactions. <laughs> it's legit. You're right. So true. Um, you know, and then other people are like, well, um, I'm still confused as to why no women in the post-apocalypse in games or other media have armpit or leg hair. Trust me, guys, those beauty standards are going to be some of the first to go when the world ends. Like, they're the first to go with November. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, and somebody else was like, random dude, why does she have a beard? And like that, basically that, uh, that SpongeBob meme of him, you know, looking all weird going back and forth. And me looking at an image for three whole minutes before realizing it's a game and not a photo of a real person. Like the graphics are just so good and so detailed that this one guy has just sent the internet into a spiral because the graphics are incredible. And that's what this guy picks up from the detail. So again, you know, it's another one of those where like sometimes the internet isn't, is an awful, horrible place to be. And then there are other times like this where you just have to applaud the internet for coming to humanity's defense and just putting this guy back under the rock that he belongs under. So. But, okay. My question is, and don't get me wrong. I am not defending this guy in the least, but like, okay, cool. We're at a stage where graphics can be that good, but (laughs) why is anybody taking the time to add small finite hairs on a character. Prove they can. I guess. Because the I, I think I think the reason that it's been done is because having been playing video games since forever, the goal has always been with the next generation to be that much more realistic, that much more lifelike. And not that we are actually there i think we're probably one maybe two generations off of video game consoles and cpu and graphical power of getting to that point where everything consistently looks photorealistic in a video game but there are a lot of cases where you look at these video games and yeah you you look at these images and go wow that's that's literally photorealistic it's it's not computer graphics um so i I think it comes down to just something to be said for the programmers 
doing the best that they can with the technology that we have, basically saying we are this much closer to that eternal goal of everything being photorealistic. I do have to say, I love the uh, tweet that's on this thread of somebody saying, bring back realistic women in games. And it's just a picture of Lara Croft with her pointy right. triangle boobs. <laughs> right. Like the second you said realistic, like I knew exactly where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> there, like this article, it was on boardpanda.com. But there, like, there's about 35 reactions on here that were like the best one. And there are just some absolute gems. You know, one of them is like, if, if that's a beard, I'm a Wookiee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like again, the internet being the internet, it's just, uh, sometimes it's a beautiful place. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From, every, from everyone at The Geek Awakens, there we go. Uh, thanks for listening, <laughs> and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye. bye.